Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Tis the season. I love this theme. I love the theme, but it's interesting because this is a word, tis, that we don't use that much, right? It's not an everyday common type of word. I don't think anybody got up this morning and said, hey kids, tis time for church. <laughs> that probably didn't happen, right? Did anybody actually say that? Yeah, I don't think so. It's a unique phrase and a unique word, and really the only time we use it is during the Christmas season with this phrase that is rolled out, connected to the song, deck the halls with boughs of holly, fa-la-la-la-la, right? And then here it comes, tis the season, tis the season. This literary contraction is the short form of it is. It is the season. Tis the season for light. Last week we looked at an aspect of Advent that we don't often consider. And that is the angel Gabriel's visit to a guy named Zachariah. Zechariah was a great guy, a family man. He was full of integrity. He was holy and righteous and devout. And the angel Gabriel came to him and said, Zechariah, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a baby. You're going to name him John. He will be great. And he will prepare the way for Jesus. And that's exactly what happened. It's a great story. And again, we don't often think about it, but yet it prepares us to think about the advent or the arrival of Jesus. Well, wouldn't you know, the angel Gabriel has a very busy season because he's not done appearing to people and delivering important messages. We find him once again appearing to a young girl named Mary, declaring that she also would have a child, she would name him Jesus, and he would change the world. And I want to think through this conversation today that the angel Gabriel had with the mother of Jesus, Mary. Christmas Day is approaching, which means the light is increasing, it really is, we have the candle of hope that is burning, and the candle of love is burning as well. In just a few moments, we will light on the third Sunday of Advent here, the candle of peace. And that word peace is a key word for us today. Please take out your talk notes, and let's begin to walk through this. Here's our big idea. Tis the season, or it is the season, for choosing peace over distress. And by looking at this great conversation, this declaration that Gabriel gives to Mary, I think this will come to life for us. It's the season, no matter how you're feeling today, whether there is peace or perhaps there is a lot of distress 
or maybe something in between, no matter how you are feeling, tis the season for choosing intentionally peace over distress. And again, Mary is going to help us understand this. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Luke's gospel and chapter one. Luke is an excellent storyteller. And we'll see that happen again today as we focus in on this event in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading with verse 26. Here's what it says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So remember, Elizabeth is a relative of Mary, and we talked about that last week. She is now six months along in her pregnancy. That just gives us some context and some time here. So in that time frame, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. We met Gabriel last week. He is a high-ranking He is an important angel who has very unique tasks that are given to him, like go to Zechariah and tell him his wife is going to have a baby who will prepare the way for Jesus. And now, Gabriel, you are this high-ranking official. I want you to go to Mary and let her know that she will also have a baby. So Gabriel plays a very important role. He's very busy. He's appearing to these individuals and sharing important things with them. He is a bringer of light. And every time he appears, the light just increases a little bit because of the important things that he is sharing. So what we find here in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, here's this angel Gabriel once again, and now he is talking to Mary. Luke lets us in on a location here. The Gabriel, the angel Gabriel visits Mary in the village of Nazareth. On the map here, you can see that Nazareth is in the northern part of the kingdom, close to the Sea of Galilee. If you remember in our time discussing the Apostle Peter, that's where he spent a lot of his time. And there's a lot of historical content in the New Testament that happens in this particular region. Nazareth is close to all of that, and that's where Mary was living at the time. So the angel Gabriel appears to Mary in this village. Most scholars tell us it was a small little town maybe had anywhere from 200 people to 2,000, but not a very big place. And it's in this village, this small town, that the angel Gabriel appears to Mary. And here's what we discover. Verse 27, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said... Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. So here's the angel. He appears to Mary in this small town and says, Greetings. It's great to see you. You have found favor with the Lord. Greetings to you. That word greetings in the text there comes from the Greek word, hyro. And it's interesting because it means to rejoice or to bring good news. 
So the angel appears to Mary, Hairo, rejoice. This is great news. It's almost like he said, hey, Mary, great to meet you. It's time to rejoice because today is your day. It's a very cheery greeting, and it brings in joy and delight. I find this to be a fascinating word, and it's not the only time that it's used in describing the arrival of Jesus. If you go back a little bit in Luke chapter 1, when Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, the angel also came with great joy and rejoicing, and we find this word being used, Hido. If you look at Matthew's account, you will see that the Magi, when they saw the star, they rejoiced, is what the text tells us, with great joy. And again, we see this word being used in describing the events surrounding the arrival of Jesus. I share all of that with you because I think it's helpful for us to understand the arrival of Jesus, the advent of Jesus, is something that should cause us to rejoice and to be glad. It's a really important thing. It's great news. Remember after 400 silent years where nobody heard from God and everybody wondered, is this Messiah ever going to come? All of a sudden we have the angel Gabriel and rejoicing and great news surrounds the arrival of Jesus. So no matter how you're feeling about the season right now, it's important for us to remember that the arrival of Jesus is something that should cause us to rejoice and to be glad. And that happened right away when Jesus came. Interestingly enough, though, guess who's not there? Guess who's not feeling it quite yet? Well, it's Mary, because here's what happens in verse 29. The angel appears, says, greetings, rejoice, great joy, but here's how Mary is feeling. It says in verse 29, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. So I don't know if she's feeling great about this yet. Here's the angel. Hey, great to see you. Rejoice. Be glad. Jesus is coming. And I'm going to tell you how you're involved in that in just a moment. But I don't think she's feeling it yet because what Luke describes here is that she is confused and disturbed. Luke is an amazing storyteller. And one of the things I love about reading his accounts of the arrival of Jesus is that he lets us in on the emotions of the main characters involved. And Mary is certainly one of those main characters. And Luke does not hide for us what's happening on the inside. And so he tells us here that she is confused and disturbed. Now, the Greek word for those two words is diatarasso. Diatarasso. And that word means to be deeply disturbed or to be agitated on the inside. The angel comes, rejoice, be glad. But Mary, dia terrasso, 
She is confused and disturbed. She's agitated on the inside, and she is deeply bothered by what is happening. We have to keep in mind that Mary is a very young girl. Most scholars believe she was a teenager, and it wasn't a common thing for angels just to appear and talk to people. And so even though the angel is saying, rejoice, be glad, she is diaterasso, agitated and disturbed, this word connotes more than just being confused. It has the idea of terror. This is how Mary is feeling. Terror on the inside. This is so much more than Mary saying, what? What's happening here? Hey, angel, can you Repeat that one more time so I can take some notes here. I've got to write some of this down. This is fascinating. You don't get that idea from Mary. Instead, I want you to think about the character from Home Alone. That's Mary, okay? Dia Tarasso. I mean, she is, ah, what's happening here? What's happening here? Well, the angel picks up on how there is terror on the inside of Mary. And so he says this in verse 30, Mary, don't be afraid, okay? I can sense how you're feeling. I can pick up on that. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. In other words, Mary, relax a little bit because God is honoring you. God is choosing you. God is going to work through you to bring the greatest light ever into the world. Today is your day, Mary. Today is your day. I have often found that to be a unique setup in Scripture the announcement to Mary that you are the chosen one. And I often wondered, why was Mary chosen to be the bearer of the Christ child? Certainly God had other options, but we know he chose Mary. And why is that? Well, writer and scholar Amy Jill Levine states it this way, which I think is great, brilliantly, Luke does not record what prompts this favor. There's no indication that Mary got divine notice because she helped her mother with the laundry, did well in school, had a beautiful singing voice, was pretty, prayed a lot, or was a virgin. We can fill in the reasons if we want, but I prefer the readings that just let God be free to choose whomever. A fisherman, a cloth dyer, a tent maker, anyone. And what's fascinating about this particular scene is in this, we see the mercy and the compassion of God in reaching out and choosing Mary. And that's good news for all of us because that God who was merciful and compassionate to Mary is also compassionate and merciful to all of us and chooses to use us to further his work in the world. So that's just a unique thing that's happening here. Why was Mary chosen? I'm not sure. God can do whatever he wants, but in this, we see his mercy and compassion, which is available for all of us. Great news. Great news. 
Now, I think about this time, Mary may be feeling a little bit better. Okay, the angel said, greetings, rejoice, be glad. I'm a little frightened, but now he's telling me that I have found favor with God. That's all wonderful. But she hasn't heard about the whole pregnancy thing yet. And here it comes, verse 31. You, the angel Gabriel said to her, will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Oh my! That's quite an announcement for a young girl, isn't it? Oh, by the way, you're going to conceive, you're going to have a baby, he will be great, he will rule, his throne will last forever. I find it fascinating in the text that Mary responds, and we'll look at that in just a moment. She responds and she kind of skips over all the political stuff. Okay, he will be great, and I will establish his throne, and he will rule forever. She kind of misses all of that, or at least chooses to skip over it at the time. And she gets down to the very practical part of what's happening here by responding this way in verse 34. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. So I get he is coming and he will be great and his throne, whatever, all of that, but this isn't physically possible for me. How can this happen? Now, do you remember last week as we investigated Zachariah, the angel Gabriel came to him and said, oh, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a baby, even though she's well along in years. And do you remember Zachariah's response? He doubted. I think he became sarcastic and maybe even laughed at the angel. You funny angel, you. I'm an old guy and my wife is kind of old too. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, the angel was not impressed with Gabriel and he was no longer able to talk throughout the duration of his wife's pregnancy. That's what happened to him as a punishment for his doubt. Same angel. Same angel, and now all of a sudden we've got Mary asking some questions, and there's a part of me that wants to say, don't do it, Mary. Don't go there. This angel has a history. You don't want to question him. You don't want to doubt. But when you dive into the text, there's just something unique and different about her response and her faith and her attitude because Here's what happens in verse 35. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. If you'd like to highlight or underline in your Bible, which I would encourage you to do, verse 37 is a key verse here. It gives us an insight into how God operates. His word will never fail. Other versions say, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing's impossible with God. The word of God will never fail. Verse 38, Mary responded. 
I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And you get the sense in this moment that Mary moves from distress. Dia Tarasso. Being agitated on the inside. Being deeply disturbed. To hearing some fantastic news about a pregnancy that really wasn't physically possible for her, but the angel described how God would ordain all of this. And she moves from distress to peace, from terror to a sense of relief by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. If you continue to read in Luke's narrative, you will find that Mary immediately leaves and she goes to visit her relative Elizabeth. And she has a sweet moment where these two pregnant ladies are talking about what God is doing in and through them. And Elizabeth says this in verse 45, you, Mary, are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. I love that. Mary, you, you are blessed. You, you are special and unique because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Unlike my husband, Zachariah, who didn't believe at all, and he can't talk for now, but you are blessed. You are unique, Mary. You are special because you believed that what the Lord said he would do. And again, she just moves from terror to peace on the inside. I found a graph that I want to share with you that describes the difference and even the similarities between Zachariah's appearance from the angel and Mary. There are a lot of similarities, as you can see here. In Luke chapter 1, verse 12, Zachariah is given a vision of what is to come, and he is troubled by that. Same thing happened for Mary. In verse 13, the angel tells Zachariah, don't be afraid. And the angel said the same thing to Mary. In verse 13, Zachariah is given a reason for the miracle. Here's why Elizabeth is going to have a baby. And Mary is given a reason for the miracle. In verse 13, Zachariah is told, here's your child's name. It's John. And even though there's nobody else in your family named this, I want you to name him John. And he became known as John the Baptist, the one who prepared the way for Jesus. And Mary is given the child's name, Jesus Messiah, rescuer. Zachariah is told by Gabriel, your child will be great. And Mary was told the same thing. In verses 16 and 17 in Luke's gospel, Zachariah is given the mission of John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus. And Mary is also given a mission for Jesus. His kingdom would never end. Zachariah is given proof and an explanation. Mary is given proof and an explanation. Here's the big difference here, and it's so good for us to see this because we have a choice here. Do we want to be like Zachariah in responding to the greatness of God, or do we want to be like Mary? We can go one way or the other, and I don't think God necessarily will take away our ability to speak, but we do have a choice in this matter, and you can see that Zachariah doubted he questioned the angel. There was some sarcasm there. He didn't believe, and he was muted for his unbelief. But what you see on Mary's side is that she was praised for her faith. 
And again, in this process, I believe Mary moves, even though there is agitation and deep troubling thoughts on the inside. She moves from terror over this as a very young girl. Keep in mind, Zachariah was an older man, a religious individual, a priest who should have known better. Like God has the ability to accomplish what he wants. Zachariah should have known that. He kind of forgot about it. He doubted. Mary, as a very young teenager, is setting an incredible example of faith for all of us. So do we want to be like Zachariah or do we want to be like Mary? I believe there are some great takeaways from the life of Mary and this scene where the angel visits her. Here are two takeaways. Number one, responding to God's greatness is a choice. Will I do that or not? Responding to God's greatness is a choice. Now listen, I don't believe God speaks through angels anymore. I don't think he's doing that. But yet we can see the movement of God around us in each other. We can see the movement of God as we study his word and it stirs in our hearts. We can see the movement of God when he answers my prayers or your prayers. And what will we do with all of these God winks around us? The movement of God, him accomplishing stuff in and through all of us. Will we dismiss that as just luck? Or that was gonna happen anyway. Or will we respond to the greatness of God as insignificant as it might seem? Will we notice these God winks and give praise to God and respond in faith? I think the encouragement here is let's act like Mary and allow the movement of God around us to grow and increase and expand our faith, okay? Let's allow the movement of God around us, whatever that might look like, to grow and increase and expand our faith like Mary, By the way, this is one of the great advantages of being part of a church, being connected to a faith community. I get the chance to look at your life and see the movement of God and observe God answer prayer for you, and that grows and increases and expands my faith. God is at work, look. And hopefully you get the opportunity to do the same in my life and in the life of the person sitting next to you and in front of you and behind you, that when you see the movement of God in them, when you see God answer their prayers, these are God winks and this allows our faith to grow and be increased and to expand. And so we need each other. We need this because it helps us respond to the greatness of God. And again, we have a choice in what we wanna do there. We can respond like Zachariah and not believe, or we can respond like Mary and choose faith and grow and increase and expand based on the movement of God around us, which I think brings peace into our lives. 
So responding to God's greatness is a choice. Will I do it or not? Will I respond like Zechariah or will I respond like Mary? Takeaway number two, think about your response in situations where rescue is needed. Think about your response in situations where rescue is needed. Let me ask you this, and I want everybody to think about this. Do you need to be rescued from something today? As you think about your life, what's happening on the inside, maybe that no one sees or knows, or as you consider what's happening on the outside that a lot of people may see, do you need to be rescued from something? I believe it's challenging when we have these rescue moments to read verses like Luke chapter one, verse 37, that says the word of God will never fail. Really. The, the word of God will never fail. Or nothing is impossible with God. I think those verses become very troubling for us when we need to be rescued for something because we begin to think, well, it sure seems like this is impossible for God. Or it sure seems like his word is failing in this area and God hasn't come through for my stress or my marriage or my financial tension or my kids or my health situation or my addiction or my whatever. God hasn't come through for me, meaning God hasn't done what I want him to do. What if God doesn't do what you want him to do in regards to that area? Will you still exercise faith in that moment? I think sometimes we always want to be relieved from pain and pressure and things that we don't like and we cry out to God and we want to be rescued in those situations, but it's possible that God might want to use that very moment to see how we respond to all of that to then increase our faith. I think that's very possible. Author and scholar Amy Jill Levine states it this way, the biblical story is less a matter of miraculous rescue than it is of human response to situations for which rescue is needed. Right? The biblical story is less a matter of miraculous rescue, which we always want. It's maybe a little less of that than it is of human response to situations for which rescue is needed. So if you're looking and waiting and asking God to be rescued from something, keep crying out. Keep doing that. Keep reaching out to God. Keep asking him for relief. God wants to hear from us, but just know that in the process, God is also interested to how we respond to the situation. And what we see in Mary's response to her situation is that she moves in a remarkable way from terror, from distress, from agitation on the inside, and from being deeply troubled 
to a status of peace and may what God said be true. Tis the season, okay? Tis the season for choosing peace over distress. May God give us all the courage to act like Mary and choose peace. Father, we come to you on this third Sunday of Advent as we get closer and closer to celebrating the arrival of Jesus, your son, the bringer of light who burst onto the scene and just changed everything. And we think about Mary and how you sent the angel Gabriel to make an announcement to her and boy, that was really troubling. She was a young girl. I don't think she knew exactly what to do with all of that and she's agitated and deeply disturbed. But yet you through the angel kept giving information to her and she moved from distress and terror to peace. She made that move. God, today this room is filled with people who have all kinds of different emotions as they approach Christmas. For some, there's probably a lot of joy and anticipation of what this day brings. For others, there's disappointment and discouragement. And maybe this year hasn't been everything that they wanted. And they're just kind of excited about the calendar turning because maybe 2020 will bring better news. We're all in a different place, God. So speak to our hearts right now and whether there is joy or distress or something in between, God, would you help us to look to the story of Advent, <laughs> the arrival of Jesus, and how you, you in a merciful and compassionate way work through a young teenager to bring the light into the world. And because of that, we can have joy despite what may be happening around us. So God, help us to act like Mary. And as we look to each other in this church and see God winks and the movement of God, may our faith grow and increase and expand. And with that comes peace and joy. So help us. Help us as we look to you now. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.